there's something um, with you that I found in the Bible the other day. This is a bit of a, uh, a uh, what do you call it, a, a entree before I get into what I want to speak about today. But I just, I just thought this was just too good not to share with, with my closest uh, friends and the people in the church. There's this little passage. And, and what, actually, when I read this, I realised, um, Jackie, I found you in the Bible. I found Jackie in the Old Testament. In the pages of the Word of God, I found my wife. Which, by the way, as a side issue, is not a bad place to find yourself in the Bible. <laughs> he said that, Jackie, not me. All right? Here it is. In Second Chronicles, I found this amazing verse, chapter 34. Don't put it up, Luke. Don't put it up because I want to get to it. Verse 22. Once I've said it, put it up because I don't want you to give away my punchline here. It says this, it says, So Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to Huldah, the prophetess. Huldah, which I think in ancient Hebrew means Jacqueline. It must, because it goes on and says, She was the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokhath, the son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. Can you believe that? It's in the Bible. There is a keeper of the wardrobe. And since when I read that, I thought, I know her. I know her. I live with her. The keeper of the wardrobe. So there you go. Two Chronicles. I've just written your name all over that. That is you, the keeper of the wardrobe. It's okay now. I know it's biblical. I'm sweet with it. I'm sweet with it. I can't argue anymore with the keeper of the wardrobe because it's, it's in the Bible. So there you go. Amazing. <laughs> The keeper of the wardrobe, yes. Smith is in the Bible as well. Okay, there you go. Smith is in the Bible too. There is, it, it is. I don't know, I can't pull that one out of me, me theological knowledge right now, but it is in there. Blacksmith? There you go, there you go. Blacksmith in the Bible. We've been talking last week, we began uh, a few weeks I want to do on uh, things that are going to strengthen us. We talked last week about David. And uh, David, in a stressful scenario, and the Bible says that he went out and raided an army and another army came in the back door, stole his, the women, the children, and took the plunder. By the time David and the army got back to his city, everything was gone. And David's soldiers, frustrated, emotional in that situation, the Bible says that they turned around and said, we're going to stone you, David, this is all your fault. David, instead of going to the military textbook first, or instead of deciding what seemed to be the natural thing to do, hang on, boys, calm down, let's go and fight. The Bible says the first thing David did is he strengthened himself in the Lord. So we started talking last week about a few things that I think we need to prioritise as people if we are going to strengthen ourselves in the Lord in 2018. We've been through New Year's Eve. We've all got our goals and things that we want to do, stuff that might be on your bucket list. But those things are wonderful and great, and we talked about that the sort of first Sunday after into the new year. But now I just want to focus a few weeks on things that will strengthen us in God, things that will make us stronger. They will build our character. They will build our faith. They will build our intimacy with God. So we get to the end of 2018, and we look back, and we can say with honesty and integrity, wow, I'm not the same person I was at the start of the year in a good way. My, my, my love for God is, has increased. My passion for his presence has increased. My, my ability to, to hear his voice has increased. My desire to, to do the things of God have increased. My passion 
for him. My, 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 my passion, my desire to take this stuff and give it to the world out there that is dying and crying out for reason and crying out for purpose has increased. But there are some things that we need to do, I believe, if we want to finish the year that way. How does that sound to anyone? Is anyone would anyone be excited about finishing the year like that? More in love with Jesus. More passionate about the things of God. Yep, a couple of people. Yep, a few people. All of us. I believe we would all, deep on the inside of us, we want to finish the year stronger in faith. And so that's what we've been talking about. We started last week. And the four things that I believe we need to make an important part of our world in order to strengthen ourselves were, first of all, the Word of God. Second thing was connection with other believers. Fellowship, we would call it. The third thing was pouring ourselves into somebody else. We would call that discipleship. And the fourth thing is sharing our faith. We would call that mission. We would call that witnessing. So if we can prioritize and make those four things a part of our existence in 2018, I'll guarantee that you will grow in character, you will grow in faith, you will grow in understanding, knowledge, and love for God if we do those four things. Now, any of these things, if we're going to make them part of our life, we have to be deliberate about them. Those four things are not going to just happen if we just go along with life and hope that they're just something that adds itself to our life. Those kind of things don't add themselves to our life. If we're not deliberate about the things we want to do, if we're not deliberate about the person we want to be, then we won't be that person and we won't do those things. And we'll get to the end of 2018, look back and go, okay, 2019, I'm promise this year I'm going to pray. I promise this year I'm going to read my book. And we'll be doing this year after year until the I will factor takes root in our life. And we go, no, this is who I want to be. This is who I am. And this is what I'm going to do. Four things, the word of God, fellowship with other believers, pouring yourself into someone else deliberately and sharing our faith. Last week, we started talking about the word of God. If you weren't here last week, please jump on iTunes and have a listen to last week's Uh, message. I don't want to go over all of that, but we talked about the Word of God. We talked about the nature of the Word of God. What is the Bible? What are the Scriptures? What is the Word of God? Can it be trusted? How did it come together? Uh, As believers, we base our life on what this book communicates to us about God. We base our life on it. Yet two out of ten Christians in Australia read it daily. Two out of ten Christians actually pick up their Bible. And yet we're trying to make a statement to the world and go, hey, this is where morality comes from. This is where the standard of life should come from. This is, this is the God that we believe is in the pages of this book. He speaks to us. He's revealed himself to us. But hey, we don't read it. It's such a poor witness. No wonder we're so powerless as a, as a society, as a Christian society in the West. No wonder we don't see a lot of the things that we desire to see because we're telling the world one thing. On the other hand, our own practice and our own discipline completely negates the message we're trying to say to people. So I believe if we want to be strong in 2018, you have to prioritise this book. Not in a religious way, but if you want to grow, you've got to prioritise your time in the Word of God. Jesus said, if you abide in my words and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you want, it'll be done for you. There's a connection between prayer and the Word of God. There's a connection between relationship and the Word of God. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search these scriptures. In them you think you find eternal life, but these are they that speak of me. So in the pages of the Bible, we find Jesus Christ revealed. We find God revealed to us in human form. The nature, the character of God, we see it revealed to us in the Bible. God's not hidden himself from us in a sense that it's too hard for us to know him. He said, hey... I've given you an opportunity to get to know me. I know young people that say, I want to know God, I want to know God. First question I ask them is, are you reading the Bible? No. 
I want God to show me something else. Give me a miracle right in the ceiling. Give me a flash. And I keep trying to say to those young people, you know what? This is the number one way that God reveals himself to us is through his word. If you prioritize this, then I believe that that gives God a foundation upon which to bounce off and to reveal himself to you. If you don't know this book, how do you even know if that's God? There are so many spiritual deceptions out there. The Bible says the devil comes as an angel. He masquerades around as an angel of light, but he's not. He's the devil. And if he can deceive you, if he can take you off course, get you off kilter, he'll do it. So we don't live for experiences. We live by the word of God. And our experiences come and they support this. Toward the back end of, of Jesus' life, after his death, his burial, his resurrection, the Bible says he got his disciples together. And at that point, it says he opened their eyes that they could understand the scriptures. He wanted them to understand. He wanted them to be in that word because that word reveals who God is. So it's important that we prioritize the word of God. This week, in the time we've got left, I want to stick with the word of God. But I want to talk about how do we approach the word of God? How do we approach it when we come to it? How many of you know approach is important in life? Approaching anything is really, really important. I was having coffee with some uh, friends of ours this week. And uh, one of them told me, uh, as we, just as we were having coffee, they shared, uh, you know the singer Pink? Anyone heard of Pink, the singer? Somebody shared a little snippet of something she said, which to me was, it was her approach to uh, a healthy relationship for a woman. And here's what Pink said once. She said, if you want to be successful and have a great relationship, she says, find a young man and train him up. So there's some advice to all you ladies out there. You want a great relationship, here's how you approach it. Find a young man and train him up. Find a young man, train him up. To which this friend of mine, we were having coffee, shared his perspective on, for men, how we should approach getting a woman. And here's what he said. He said, find an ordinary woman and train her up. So there you go. There's two separate approaches to relationships, to how to have a healthy relationship. I remember some years back, being uh, we, we'd just moved into Ballina. And I may have shared this story before, may not have, but I remember my wife came to me one day in the kitchen and she had this dress that she had bought. <coughs> now, isn't that a tricky situation, by the way? When, when a, a lady comes in to you, or a man, perhaps it's a man, he comes in, and they present something to you and they ask you the question, oh, do you like this? And what's running through your head is, well, you've already bought it, so does it really matter? You've already paid $200 for those boots. Does it matter? Is there any answer other than, yes, money well spent? Anyway, Jackie came in with this dress, and she put it on the kitchen bench, and she says to me, do you like this dress? Now, I know what's going on here. I've got to approach this right. It's like a plane. If you don't approach the runway correctly, you are not going to touch down safely. You're going to have an accident, and someone's going to get hurt. So... I said to her, right, I looked at it and I thought for a second, and I too have the Spirit of God, so I'm listening. Lord, lead me, lead me. And here's what I felt I should do. I said, Jackie, can you just take a couple of steps away from the bench for a second? So she went, okay. And I looked at the dress and I went, Jackie, just a couple more steps away. She said, okay. She took a couple more steps away and I kept looking. Jackie, just a few more. And so she took a few more. And I looked at it and I went, just, just a couple more steps. And by this stage, she's like, what is this? She took a few more steps away. She goes, what? why am I walking so far away from this thing? I said, because, Jackie, compared to you, that dress looked like a pile of rubbish. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All you husbands out there, boom. Hey? <laughs> hey? Eh? There you go. See, the approach made all the difference. And the way we approach the word of God can make or break what we get out of that book. And I believe as Christians, and I'm speaking to people here who I believe 
unless you, you show me otherwise, have, have given your hearts to Christ, have decided to follow God, believe that this book is everything that it says it is, what we talked about last week. So as those people, spirit-filled, Bible-believing people, I believe we need to approach the Word of God with certain attitudes in a certain way. So the first way that we need to approach the Word of God, we need to approach it with faith. We need to approach it with faith. Hebrews 4.2 says this, For indeed... The gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Indeed, the gospel was preached to us. In other words, we heard the word the same as they heard the word. You ever wonder why some people can sit in church or someone can hear the word of God, somebody else can hear the word of God? This person seems to get results, their life is transformed and changed, and and this group of people here just seem to be going through motions. Maybe, maybe they're not approaching it with faith. It says the word which they heard didn't profit them. Why? Not because the word wasn't powerful. Not because the word wasn't sent to profit. Not because there's not a benefit inherent in the word of God. As a matter of fact, that word prophet literally means to better. It literally means to better you. It means that it should uh, make a difference in your life, a positive difference in your life. It betters you. It's useful. It's advantageous for you. That's what it means in the Greek. So in other words, it didn't profit them, not because of anything inherent in the word, but because they did not mix it with faith. Because they didn't approach the word of God with faith. Sometimes I think we have this attitude with God that he's guilty until proven innocent. God is guilty until proven... In other words, I don't believe anything you say until you prove to me that what you're saying is correct. Faith is the opposite. If I believe that this is the word of God, if I actually believe that this is the word of God, if I believe the stuff I was preaching to you last week, if you believe the stuff that you, you have read and the stuff that we claim about the Bible, if we believe that, then we should be approaching this book from a perspective of faith right from the get-go. God, you are innocent. You are believable. And I make a choice when I open the pages of this book, God, I'm going to believe that what you say is correct. Even if it goes against what I think, what I feel, against my own experience, I'm, I'm going to go, God, this is true. What you say is correct. And I'm going to approach the Bible from that perspective. Now, don't think I'm speaking about being loopy here. Romans chapter 12 uh, says this. It says that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I've met some Christians who interpret that to be transformed by the removal of your mind. Now, we don't remove our mind. God transforms us, changes us, By renewing our mind. How do we renew our mind? We renew our mind by putting something different into our mind. Every time you spend all day on Facebook, guess what? You're renewing your mind. But are you renewing it the way God wants it renewed? Every time we sit around watching hours and hours of TV, we're renewing our mind. Because stuff's going in all the time. This this filing system up here. It's shaping. It's molding. Behind the scenes, it's helping me create a worldview. But is it the kind of stuff that I want to be transforming my mind? Is it taking my mind the place that it needs to go to grow into God and to be useful in his kingdom? Or is it taking me away from what the word of God says? Is it taking me away from this worldview to another worldview? So we don't remove our mind. We keep our mind, but we get into this with faith and we allow God to renew our mind, renew the way we think, and as our mind changes and our thinking changes, our actions change. As our actions change, our habits change, habits change, we start getting different results in life. 
Amen? We've got to approach the Word of God from a position and a perspective of faith. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. What does the word of God do? When we receive it as the word of God, it effectively works in you. The word of God, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is what? Living and active. It's living and active. It's working inside of you. It's doing something on the inside of you. But it's got to get inside of you first. Two out of ten people are reading it. No wonder we're not being transformed. No wonder our minds are not being renewed. No wonder we're not growing in faith, in character. No wonder we are not reflecting to the world around us. Not only that God's a nice uh, moral being, but God is a God of power. God is a God of anointing. God is a God that heals. God is a God that transforms humanity from the inside out. If we're not even getting into this word, it's no wonder that we look the way that we look and that people aren't flocking to see what we have. And I think we've got the greatest message in the world, I mean. I can't think of anything that is greater than the fact that one day we're all going to shed this tent and we're going to stand before God. And He's going to look at us. And he's not going to primarily care about how many cars we had, how big our house was. He's not going to primarily care about how big our church was. He's not going to primarily care about our bank balance. He's not even going to primarily care about whether we were a good moral person. He's going to want to know what did we do with the gospel message? What did we do with the cross? What did we do with Jesus Christ? What did we do with that? Yet two out of ten of us are daily making a habit to get into this book. I don't know about you, I'm, I've made a decision, I've drawn a bit of a line in the sand this year for me. I think about all the things that the Lord has spoken to me over the years, the call of God, the things that he said to me, and I've made a decision this year, I'm going after it. It doesn't matter what, what else happens in my life. I'll cut back what I've got to, I'll do whatever. I'm going after what God has for me, because I'm running out of time. And everybody in this room is running out of time. You've got to make a choice on the inside of you that you're going after God. The starting point is getting to this. So we approach the word of God with faith. The second way we approach the word of God is we approach it with expectation. What's different between faith and expectation? Well, I have faith that somebody today is going to win a million dollars on the lottery. Somewhere, somewhere in the world, it could be you, Rob, it could be you. Somebody around the world today is going to win a million dollars in a lottery somewhere in some country on planet Earth. But I have no expectation it's going to be me. I have no expectation that it's going to be me. I have faith that some of you are going to go home today to a roast lunch to a cooked meal, to an extravagant feed. I have no expectation it's going to be me because I don't know how to cook and my wife's got to run off to work. So there's no expectation that that's going to be me. You know, a lot of us, we not only approach the word of God with faith, but we need to approach the word of God with expectation as well, that this book is written to me. There's stuff in this book that God wants to reveal and say to me as a believer of Jesus. You know, so often I think we read the word of God for other people. We're thinking about things that, oh, that's that person. That's speaking of this other person needs to hear this. You know what? But there's no sense of expectation that this was written to me. Today, you know what? Let me tell you something. You know what God did this morning? God got on Facebook. He did. He got on Facebook and he wrote you a post. Did you read it? He got on Instagram today and he left a message. Anybody read it? 
This is God's Facebook post for you. This is God's Instagram message to you. Message of the day. Here it is. It's right in here. God's speaking to us. And he's speaking to you personally. And we need to approach the word of God with a sense of personal expectation. Uh, Psalm 119 verse 105 says this. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I was at the Solomon Islands many years ago. I used to take teams over there. And uh, they didn't have street lights and that on the island of Malaita. There was no any sort of electricity down in, in um, the, the actual town. But the rest of the mountains where we were and the villages we went to, it was just pitch black. No street lamps, no nothing. So what the islanders would do is they would catch fireflies and stick them in their afros. And they would walk up ahead of us. And so we would follow the, the, follow the lit up afro and we would get to the village or wherever it was that we were going. These guys with their fireflies in their head. Their fireflies in their head provided a bit of a light for our path so we knew the next step that we had to take. Today it might be, you know, maybe over there now they have a mobile phone. They turn on their Apple phone with the light or something and light it up, you know. But it reveals a certain amount of distance. The light shows you something that without it you wouldn't see. Without that light, you wouldn't see the next step. I wonder how many of us get frustrated in life. We don't know what God is saying to us. We don't know the next step of our journey. We don't know how to make this next decision and so on. But God's saying, hey, this is the lamp to your feet. If you get into this, I'll light up that next step. I'll light the path in front of you. I'll show you where you need to go. I'll show you the next move you need to make. I'll show you the next step. I'll show you the next direction. There's a light in this thing. It's a lamp to your feet, not somebody else's feet. It's your feet. It's for you. It's a light to your feet. It's a lamp for your path. But we read it with such low expectation. God wants us to approach the word of God with faith, a sense of faith and belief. He also wants you to approach it with a sense of expectation that he wants to say something to you. He wants to speak to you about you, about you, about your world, about your situations and about the circumstances that you find yourself in. He wants us to approach it with faith. He wants us to approach it with expectation. Thirdly, he wants us to approach it obediently. He wants us to approach the word of God obediently. (laughs) The Bible was not given to us primarily to understand, study, memorize. It was given to us to be believed and obeyed. When God spoke to people in the Old Testament, I've just gone through reading the, the, the book of Kings and Chronicles and so on. And one thing that stands out to me so overwhelmingly in the last couple of weeks as I've been reading it is every king that heard the word of God and obeyed was blessed. They built their kingdoms. They prospered. Every king that heard the word of God but did not obey. They heard the word of the Lord. They knew what God had said to the nation of Israel. They knew what God was saying to them. But they chose not to do anything. Some people just want that. We just want to hear the word of the Lord. We just want to hear what God is saying to us. You know, people chase around prophets and ministries just to hear a word from God. That word from God is nothing if you have not decided to obey what God's going to say to you. It's pointless. It's pointless. You know what Jesus said once of the Pharisees? He looked them in the eye and he said to these people that were leading the nation of Israel spiritually, he said to them, you have never heard the Father's voice. You know why? Because they had already determined their life. They were not going to obey God. They had their rituals. They had their routines. They had their life it was a safe life. We're in the ministry now. We're in the priesthood. We're, 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 we're in this thing where we're guaranteed food. We're guaranteed uh, a roof over our head. We're guaranteed certain things. We're not interested in what God has to say. 
But we'll stand there and tell everyone we have the word of the Lord. But they would not obey him. Their heart stance was not one of obedience. And Jesus looked them in the eye and said, as a result of that, you've never even heard his voice. You've never even heard him. Because we need to approach the word of God with an obedient heart if we're really going to get the most out of it, if we really want God to speak to us. Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to what is written in it. Not that you may observe to make notes about it, not that you may observe to memorize it, that you may observe to do what is written in this book. If you do that, here's what he says, then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you're going to have good success. James 1.22, James writes, he says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If you just want to get into it just to hear it, but you have no intention of approaching it from an obedient heart, you are leading yourself down a path of absolute self-deception. You are leading yourself down a path of self-deception. Because we have to approach it with an obedient heart. We're getting into this thing with faith. We're getting into this thing with expectation and I'm approaching it with the attitude, God, when I see stuff in there, I'm going to do it. If I see stuff in there that you're saying to me, Lord, I made a decision before I even go there, God, I'm going to obey you today. Whatever it is, whatever I find, whatever you say, whatever you reveal, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Because that's how I'm going to get the most out of this when I approach this book. I think the number one reason most believers do not enter into the fullness of what God has for them is because they know too much and do too little. We are obese with knowledge about God. We are obese in the West with, with, with scriptures and podcasts. We know so much stuff. And God's sitting up there going, yeah, but that's not the point. What are you doing with the stuff I'm showing you, with the stuff I'm saying to you? We know about tithing and giving, but we don't plan on doing it. So we have very few testimonies of financial miracles. We know about praying for the sick, but we don't plan on doing it. So we have very few testimonies of healings. We know about repentance and humility, but we don't plan on doing it. So we have very few testimonies of God's ability to restore fractured relationships. We know about sharing our faith, but we don't plan on doing it. So we have very few testimonies of personal salvations. We know about the flaws in our own character, but we don't plan on doing anything about them. So we have very few testimonies of personal transformation. I'm just broad brushing a few things there. This is one of the reasons why we don't see what we say we want to see, why we don't experience what we want to experience. Because every time God does something, usually follow the life of Jesus. There was a connection between God speaking, man doing, and then God doing something amazing. We've got to approach the word of God from the perspective that we're going to obey it. So we approach the word of God with faith. Secondly, we approach it with expectation. Thirdly, we approach it obediently. Fourthly, we approach it daily. Joshua 1.8, meditate in it day and night. Psalm 1, 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the path of sinners, sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. Same as Joshua, meditate in it day and night. James 1.25, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Continues in it. I went to the doctors the other day and they got this rack of magazines. Anyone ever... You go to a doc, and they've got magazines. They're not really that interesting, and I'm not really interested in them. But you know what I do when I'm sitting there? I'll pick one up and have a flick. You know why? They're put there for that very reason. They're just time fillers. They're just time fillers. And unfortunately, a lot of us approach the Bible like that. It's just a time filler. If I have time, I've got nothing on, or then I'll pick it up. But there's no deliberateness about our day. We haven't sat back and gone, no, no, I need to be in this thing daily. Therefore, if I'm going to do that, how do I make that happen? Pick a place. Where am I going to go where I know I can just focus? Pick a time. What time works within my schedule and so on? 
We don't prioritise it, therefore we don't work that out. And we just hope that there's time somewhere to squeeze in a little bit of the Bible. And again, we wonder why we're not seeing all the stuff we want to see. We wonder why our faith's not growing. We wonder why our understanding of God's word, God's character, God's worldview is not increasing. Because we don't prioritise it. We don't approach it daily. We use the word of God as a bit of a time filler. We approach it with faith. We approach it with expectation. We approach it obediently. We approach it daily. And finally, we approach it openly. We approach the word of God openly. James 1, 23 to 25. I love this passage. I'll finish with this. It says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You know, nobody looks into a mirror to see the mirror. Anyone get up in the morning, you look in the mirror just to see the mirror? You might walk up to a painting to see a painting. I've never walked up. I'm just, oh, look at that mirror. I just want to look at that mirror. You know what I'm doing? If I'm saying that, I'm lying. Really, I'm looking at myself. Hey, jeez, he looks good today. My goodness. Although we don't say that in the morning, do we? Get up, we look in the mirror. What do we look into a mirror for? We look into a mirror to see ourselves. We look into a mirror to see ourselves. That's what James is saying here. He says we look into the perfect law of liberty as we look into a mirror. It reflects back to us who we actually are right now. And by looking into that mirror, I'm able to see who I really am. And I'm also able to make adjustments and then look into that mirror again and see, am I now the person that I want to be? Am I the person that I want, that I I needed to become, that I wanted to become? He says, the word of God is like looking into a mirror. You don't look into the mirror to see a mirror. You don't look into the mirror to see somebody else. You look into the mirror to see yourself. That's why you go there, who you are and who you should be. So I believe this, God is predisposed towards blessing us. I believe he's predisposed towards blessing his people. But the number one way that he does that is through obedience to his word. If we don't get into his word and we don't know how he wants us to live our lives, then we're cutting off. We're cutting off a part of his blessing to us. You won't find a man, woman or child in history who did anything overly significant in terms of shaping the kingdom of God who wasn't a person of the word, who wasn't a person who got into this book who prioritised time in the Bible. I believe it's the number one way God reveals himself to us. It's the number one way that he speaks to us. And we need to have a daily routine. We need to approach it openly with faith, with expectation. We need to prioritise the word of God if we are going to finish 2018 stronger, more filled with faith, with more expectation, more power on on ourselves, more transformation within ourselves. We need to finish this year as people of the Bible. Amen? Amen. Father, I want to thank you for this morning, Lord, and thank you for this word. God, I pray, Lord, even as we've been speaking in the last couple of weeks, Lord, I pray that you would light a fire in our hearts, God, a passion, a passion for your word. Lord, I desire to, to prioritize time, God, a desire to not just use it as we would a magazine and a doctor's surgery, not just as a time filler, not just something we get to if we have the time. God, I pray that we would approach it, Lord, with a greater understanding that this is not a Woman's Day magazine. This is not the Northern Star. This is not just something there to relay information to our brains. God, there's life in your word. There's spirit in your word. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And God, I pray that each of us here over the next 12 months, we would experience the transforming power of the word of God. Challenge us, God, by your word. Transform us by your word. Speak to us through your word. Let it be a lamp to our feet. Let it be a light to our path. 
God, let us approach it with faith, with expectation. Let us approach it with a predisposition towards obedience, that we're going to obey you, God. We're going to do the things that we know to do, that you reveal to us, Father. And Lord, I pray for the rest of this week, God, as each person leaves here. God, I pray you would bless them, God, this week. God, what they put their hand to, what they do. Lord, bless their endeavours, bless their work. And God, I pray that in the next seven days, Father, give each of us in this room an opportunity to share the goodness of God with somebody that does not know that yet. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a fantastic next couple of weeks. And uh, we shall see you personally in a couple of weeks. Um, But like I said, Jim White's going to be here next week and he's he's going to bring a great word to us. The following week we'll have somebody else here. Um, I look forward to coming back and seeing that you're all... I'll stand up here and I'll fall down because of the glory of God on your lives. Why don't we get to speak, amen?